0: I am the master, and you will obey me. Listen to Dan Hadley on Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, or face the consequences.
1: time for Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast on the Fandom Podcast Network with me, Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks and your designated driver. Better news is this is a show for everybody, whatever decade or century you started watching, reading or listening along to the timeless adventures of that time lord, our hero, Doctor Who. We talk about it all on this show, so step into our TARDIS and share this journey here with us on Type 40. Yes, I say... Us, because yes, there is more than one of us. My companion on this edition of the show, the original lunatic, of course. And today he's as giddy as a schoolboy who's been r- running around the playground in circles.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's good to see again, Simon Horton. It's nice to be back with you, Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. For reasons that will become obvious, I'm transported back to when I was about eight years old today. So yeah, I'm running <laughs> around the playground as we speak. Oh God have
1: we got a show for you, have we got a show for you this time. I can't quite believe we got this guy Simon because we've got a big interview for people today, a big interview isn't it?
2: We are not worthy today Dan, we are not worthy. Um, They they always say don't meet your heroes, well the truth is this is definitely one of my heroes that we are about to meet, Um, he's he's right up there so uh, I cannot wait to get into this one.
1: You may well recall last year when we made a big show about the Target books both of us, you know, we we spent a good hour, hour and a half, didn't we, sort of loft diving through our our various paperback books and talking about artwork, which is something we both love. And this guy, he's the target artist. I'm sure that other target artists would probably very willingly offer that title and, and, and kneel at his feet. And we got to meet him and you know that's what it is it feels like you meet people over these new media forms be it zoom or skype or whatever we ju- we just met a legend simon
2: it's it's phenomenal to, to to just think about it isn't it as i say he is an absolute hero um and, and, and let's not forget you know he's a hero for a lot of doctor who fans but he's also he's a renowned world-renowned artist um he, it, it isn't just doctor who his doctor who work is a tiny amount
3: yeah, I
1: forgot quite how much he'd done. I forgot about a lot of the film work, the fact that he was attached to a big movie, a big George Lucas, Ron Howard movie She he talks about a little in this show. Yeah, we, we go into all the questions we hope, that, that we hope they're the questions that you would have asked. That's what we've tried to do. That's we, what we, we always try to do on this. Geeky, I
2: think, is the word, Dan. <laughs>
1: And we do know that there are some of you out there who maybe don't know as much about the, about the Target books and maybe don't know so much about Chris Akeleos' work, but we hope that this serves as an introduction to, And you know, even if you can't get hold of the old books, maybe you might want to order, pre-order, his new book called Clack, which is out in a couple of weeks' time, I think. But yeah, just to give you a little bit of background, Target books was the publishing imprint set up in 1973 by Universal Tandem. It was a children's range and it became synonymous with doctor who over really quite a short period of time they got the rights to three older doctor who titles originally to launch with as part of a bigger publishing plan which included all sorts of other children's titles related tv and various things and uh, yeah it just sort of rolled out really the doctor who books became incredibly popular in a really short period of time you know simon was there grabbing them pretty much from day one i wasn't far behind about four or five years later but yeah that publishing continued pretty much interrupted didn't it for an 18 year period Chris didn't stay on the books for that long sadly but the majority of them were adorned with memorable specially commissioned artwork weren't they Simon it was a, a recipe for success really pioneered by Chris akaleos
2: well yeah I mean he designed the whole the whole look of the, those books to begin with the, so, so, so although they, they veered off into different artists as the time went on and some of the again I you know I love. Um, a, a lot of the other artists that have worked on the range, but Chris Akileos absolutely set the trend. You know, he 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 was the guy that came up with these original books, and let's not forget, these books sold in phenomenal numbers. They were the biggest seller for the Target imprint. They kept the company going, um, and, and in no small part to to Chris Akileos because of the covers. Because let's be honest, you know who wouldn't want to buy a book that look that's got a cover like that? They, they leapt off the shelves because because the covers are just stunning he, he really his work in the doctor who line cannot be underestimated his contribution to the history of doctor who it's it's as important as barry Letts, as terence Dix, as jnt as any of them he's up there
1: i believe so i think yeah he brightened up many uh, many a saturday afternoon waiting for the show itself to kick off We can't wait for you to hear this. We're not going to keep you waiting too much longer. But if this is your first Type 40, it's only fair to let you know that if you fancy doing some sort of audio time-travelling of your own, each and every edition of our show, past, present and future, is up on the Fandom Podcast Network's masterfeed at fpnet.podbean.com or you can search for the Fandom Podcast Network on the Podbean app. FPNet. Find us... And play us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or iHeartRadio. Let us know what you think of all that. There are links coming up at the end of the show. But yes, here he is. You're not gonna want to miss a word or a stroke of this. Here, the Master at work. <laughs> Our interview with Chris Aguileos now. Now, some people in the legacy of Doctor Who they need no introduction but still jokers like me insist on trying to uh, offer one so here's my try because in all avenues of popular culture there are figures that are known not by by just one name and although this man's surname is enough to conjure up all sorts of of evocative images and and the childhood eagerness of a visit to WH Smiths on a Saturday afternoon to pick up a a brand new Target paperback, for example. Still, we're going to use both of his names this afternoon. It's only polite after all. Joining Simon and myself this time is a very, very special guest. We've got illustrator, designer and artist Chris Achilleos with us today. Hello. Hello, Chris. Here at last. We've had a bit of a journey getting here, haven't we? But we, we're all here. Simon's here, I'm here, you're here. And, oh, boy, have we got some... We've got a hell of a career to talk about here, haven't we? You've, you've had such a long career, built up a huge body of work, haven't you? Over
0: five decades now? It is, yes. I started work in, 19, in the summer of 69. A fabulous year. Ah, just as the Beatles were packing it in, you were picking exactly. it up. Exactly.
1: <laughs> because we know your work, out You're one of the most distinctive and frankly I'm going to say this anyway <laughs> frankly the best at what you do creating visuals to match works by everyone from Michael Moorcock to Edgar Rice Burroughs and you've imagined haven't you were entire fantasy realms and kingdoms of, of your own haven't you but but then there's Doctor Who you're so strongly tied to Doctor Who in print and you have been for pretty much as long as there have been Doctor Who books, haven't you? But we're, we're now really close. We're weeks away from the publication of a brand new book, which is collecting all of your work, isn't it, in chronological order, connected with Doctor Who from Candy Jar Books. We're, we're going to make some space on all our shelves for that. But what I thought I'd start with, just to go back to this TV show that pair of us, Simon and myself, were absolutely obsessed with. But had you been aware of Doctor Who before you were commissioned to draw and paint it all?
0: Yes, I was. I think everybody was. You know, it was such a big hit on the on the, the old black and white TV sets. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was. I was watching it and, uh, I mean, first of all, I, I couldn't understand the dialogue, of course, because I was learning the language. Uh, But the visuals really um, excited me, you know. I was really into science fiction and fantasy at the time, Um, going into movies a lot. Uh, A whole new world and culture was opening up to me.
2: Because tell us a little bit about your background before you arrived in in England, Chris, because you were born in Cyprus, weren't you?
0: I was born in Cyprus uh, a long time ago, in 1947 and uh, completely different world then, especially there. What, what, what was it that brought you over to the UK? My mother was widowed, very, and she was very young. Uh, lost my father when I was five years old. So um, lived outdoors mainly, running wild in the orange groves, and uh, having fun playing cowboys and Indians, and uh, Robin hood or something like that, because we saw um, the Flaming Arrow, star, starring Bert Lancaster, <laughs> I remember. And so we came home. All came home and made bows and arrows. And oh, it's just just fantastic childhood, you know. That I wouldn't swap it for anything.
1: Were you always artistic as a child, though, Chris? Uh,
0: I was in a in a in a sort of practical way, not in drawing. I mean, uh, mm. went to school, of course, and uh, I, I don't. Rem- I think we had an art class, but I remember doing all the drawings on the on the chalkboard with different colored chalks when he came to celebration dates like the 1821 uh, uprising of the freedom of greece from the turks and we saw all these heroes and i uh, used to draw them on the on the on the on the board uh but Personally, I, I I just run along and played. You know, I, I I used to make things. We used to make our own toy guns and arrows, like I said. And uh, shadow shadow puppets was a big thing. We used to we used to cut out cardboard and uh, make these shadow puppets, which it uh, got out of fashion after since yeah. TV came on. <laughs>
1: well this is all this is all the sort of thing is it feeds your imagination really and that's particularly when we're children yeah. it's your imagine your imagination sort of, it's almost too big to be <laughs> to be confined by your own head isn't it and any way in which you can express yourself yes. we do as children i think sometimes without even thinking about it yes
0: i, I think television read really a lot of things uh, mm. if you if you can imagine children with no tv you know and outdoors they quickly yeah. develop differently than they do now uh, they use their imagination much more they use their bodies physically a lot more and they're playing in the dirt I mean they they enrich their immune system even you know uh, it's much better way of life <laughs> so when
2: you moved over to the UK where did you move to and did you then find that obviously your life changed very drastically from completely. playing in the orange groves to suddenly Yeah,
0: completely changed I mean we came over and we were in the suburbs of London and uh uh, lived in a couple of rooms you know and it was very difficult for me um physically and mentally as it was for my mother and my sisters I have three sisters and uh, uh it was it was a bad time to move to england uh, there was um, very low tolerance of foreigners and not just uh, black people but also anybody you know and uh, we, we were cypriots so you know, the whole thing was very difficult. Um, and,
2: did, and did you speak English at that point, Chris?
0: No, not a word. So I had to pick things up uh, as I went along. Uh, the school was a nightmare. And so I couldn't do any academic exams. Uh, you know, two years later, you have to take exams or leave the school at 14. So I concentrated on academic, uh, non academic subjects such as woodwork, metalwork, pottery, and art and uh i was allowed to stay further than the fourth year in order to take those exams which i did and passed them and uh, in the end i was in the sixth year and i was vice president of my house and i was terrified of standing up and reading you know (laughs) it was ridiculous situation to be in but um you know i quickly learned to, to you know adapt and move on and uh uh, my glory days was really going into art college, which my art teacher encouraged me to do, and uh, I, I really blossomed there.
1: So they'd recognise your talent with with this sort of not just with the artistic the artistic skills yes. and that way of looking at things, but also the practical skills that you've got as well, being good with your hands in making yes. things too.
0: Yeah, I was very good in the in, in the woodwork and metalwork class and pottery. I could do things, you know very well and the teachers really loved me and uh, <laughs> encouraged me and I didn't need much encouragement, I just loved doing all of that stuff and uh, I still do, I am still doing a lot of practical works around the house and that.
1: So how long did art college last then? How long uh, I was it there then?
0: from 66 to 69, or maybe so. I was there at 65, I can't remember, but I was there like four year, three or four years. The first year was um, just just general subjects, drawing and painting, and uh, and all that. And after that, you have to choose a, a career. I I wanted to do illustration. I knew what I wanted to do at a very early age, which is a great advantage, you
1: know. And you got good guidance at art college to to make to make yeah. that happen. To make contacts in the industry as well, or did did you just go around knocking doors before you'd even left art college? Presumably, you assembled a portfolio at that point to, well, no, to take um, around with you. you-
0: you, you specialize on a subject, which I did on technical and scientific illustration, just because you had the word illustration in it. I wanted to illustrate books and uh, or comics. Comics was a big, big love of mine. You know, I, I collected That's comics because I couldn't couldn't read the language, you know, couldn't read the language or anything. So and we had nothing like it in, in Cyprus, you know, all that visually reference materials in there and, and and well and the drawings the art was fantastic so it, just,
1: so did you read the eagle chris i had
0: i bought them all i had the eagle i had the lion i had the look and learn i had um got up swift was one other one I, there was so many i'll pick up anything that had decent drawings in it there's an artist working on there and of course oh, the american imports also i collect
1: it just started around that point, hadn't it? Because I, I recognise some of Fra- uh, Frank, Hampson- Frank Hampson's influence on you, just, just a little. To correct
0: s- you, it's, it's not Hampson; it's Frank Bellamy. Frank Bellamy. It's Frank I mean,
3: Bellamy.
2: Who, who, of course, did he did a lot of the he did a lot okay. of the um, of the early Radio Times art for Doctor Who. What what was it about Frank Bellamy that that, that influenced you, Chris? What did you see in that?
0: Well, I did see that. I mean, I was a big fan of Frank Bellamy. Uh, from years before, when I used to buy the Eagle comic. He used to do this wonderful central spread, you know, of glorious drawings of Heroes the Spartan, you know, and it was just wonderful. I I couldn't wait for the Eagle to come. I had it on order and uh, the postman used to deliver it. first thing on Wednesday morning. I still remember it's Wednesday morning. So I used to get up especially early on Wednesday morning to pick up the comic and and go to school. And then I'd be reading it in school. Uh, I remember this very clearly and copied the drawing sometimes, you know, and uh, just, I adored Frank Bellamy's work. Um, He later did, he moved on from there and he he did, um, for another comic, I think he did um, Thunderbirds. I didn't like that so much. He used a different, more loose style. And it's all—it wasn't historical, you know. I—I'm more attuned to historical, the past, than the than the future, you know. Carl, that's um, really odd
2: that you say that, though, because because you're so intrinsically linked with Doctor Who, and and yeah. so many, probably I think all but one of your Doctor Who covers is science fiction. I can only think of the Crusaders that you did—that's historical. Your science fiction artwork is is second to none. So it's odd that you say actually you identify with the past more than you do the future. I
0: do. I'm much comfortable much more comfortable um, drawing or painting um, a galleon, you know, or um, <laughs> or a Viking, or you know, anything like that, than uh, a guy in a spacesuit or rockets. <laughs> <you know?
3: laughs>
1: All that texture, all that texture you can play with. Ah, uh,
0: yes, yes. I was so into history and mythology, you know, that I carried on that tradition. So, you know, I've, I've got loads of books on the subjects and I'm still very interested in it. Ancient history, the further back you go, the more interesting it gets.
2: I'm, I'm actually looking at pretty much every one of your Doctor Who covers now in a new light. because. Okay. Well, the reason I'm saying that is when you say that, actually, when I look at a lot of these covers, they almost look historical. They don't look spacey, if you know what I mean. They they have that. I, I, I can see now that they are almost historical in style. They've got a classical yes, look to them. Yes, classical is probably the better it? better word. Um, so so they don't look like, for example, like Close Encounters, the third kind, or of something. They look very romantic. And now I can see possibly why that is, because actually you're influenced more historically. And so these could be almost, as I say, historical pieces of artwork. They just happen to be with spaceships and, uh, and, 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 and aliens.
0: I'm, by nature, I'm classical in style. You know, I, I love realism and um, strive to do so. Accuracy in anatomy and whatever I'm drawing. So I can't do stylized too much or cartoons. I just can't do that at all. Uh, it's one reason why I didn't become a comic strip artist, which I was very tempted to. You know, for that, you have to be doing it for years to develop a, a style, you know. And, and if it's a little bit graphic, mm-hmm. the better. That's uh, why I love Bellamy's work, you know, with his stylized um it hits that
1: middle ground perfectly, doesn't it? But I, but I think it, you're yeah. doing
0: yourself a disservice, Chris. Because
2: I mean, I think some of your some of your who covers. I mean, at the moment, I'm, I'm holding up the Daleks, uh, yeah. which is one of your first covers. I mean, that is really, really graphic. That is that's. That, that, mm. So I think you I think you're putting yourself down when you say you can't do a comic book style graphic, because that there is nothing more comic book style graphic.
0: Yeah, it is pure graphics, as you say, it's nothing to, it's not, um, it's not a painting, you know, I keep saying this to people, I didn't do paintings when I did the Doctor Who's, I did graphic montages, you know, uh, colour drawings, you know, and I tried to encapsulate the whole story on just one little area of, what is it, six inches square or four inches square, which wasn't easy, but um, this is what I strive to do
2: your book covers are so important to Doctor Who fans, certainly of our age, simply because, because we had in those days, nothing whatsoever, uh, visually from a story whatsoever. There were just no photos. There was no comic at that point. There was no magazine, nothing. So there were no photos. So that was it. Your little six inch illustration. That was yeah. our window into that particular story. Visually, that was all we had. That's why I think these book covers are so important to us, because they just represent that entire Doctor Who story and one little piece of artwork.
1: Yeah. And funnily enough, when you talk, you talk about comic strips there, Chris, when I, I was just... I've just been picking at this to... Uh, the cover to the uh, Autumn invasion yeah. there. Now, to me, that's very similar to Frank Bellamy's work. That's... I can totally see that now, mm-hmm. you've, now you've
0: mentioned it. And that's so comic stripping. Yeah. You know, I love the way he used to put heads in circles... Amongst all the other, um, yeah, I learned a lot Beautiful from stuff. Frank Bellamy and other comic strip artists. Jack Kirby was the American artist that I adored, and still do. Um, and I met him once in San yeah. Diego, Comic Con, and uh, really? to my amazement, he knew all about me, and he <laughs> said he loved my work as well. So he was great. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very that's very cool.
1: So as as you were you were leaving art college and you'd got this this passion and you'd got this mm. this thing that you wanted to express what did your family feel about it were they surprised that that you'd found art that you were going to make a career out of
0: all of this all of this imagery well, my family was my three sisters and my grandmother then and my mother most importantly she was the breadwinner she i mean she, it's amazing really that she allowed me to to follow my passion, to go to art college, first of all, instead them. of um, becoming a mechanic or something, you know, to bring money in the family, and to pursue what I wanted to do. It was amazing, really, for that time, you know. Yeah. So,
1: other than Doctor Who, with, thinking back to the late 60s, I immediately think of things like 2001, A Space Artist, the Kubrick yes. film, and TV shows like Mission Impossible, and the, uh, the spaghetti westerns, the Clint Eastwoods.
0: Yes. Was all that in the mix as well? Like I said, I mentioned before, I used to love going to the cinema. And when we came to England in 1960, oh my God, the cinemas are full of these amazing movies that were coming in, the the epics. I mean, if you go back and you look at the films that were done from 60 to 69, you know, 70, I mean, in the early 60s, the 60s started with West Side Story, you know, fabulous. And, and as 61. an immigrant, uh, it also striked a, a chord with us, you know, me mm. and my sister. Right.
1: It's such a graphical film oh, as well, beautiful. isn't it? Beautiful. I
0: love course. it. My favourite music. i see it again and again. It's very, and very
2: stylized, fa- isn't
0: it? it? It's fabulous. But then you have the epics, you know. You had Lawrence of Arabia in 61. And I remember going to see that, you know, and... and be, oh, in. in Holloway Odeon you know and it was just it changed my life that movie and it's still the best movie ever made in my opinion a big movie El Cid you had Cleopatra you had Spartacus and the
1: Argonauts oh and it plays to, all those films they play to your classical sensibilities oh, oh, yes. too, don't they your, your yes exactly
0: I, I love film and if I was coming from a, a rich background perhaps I would have gone to film school you know and because that would be my love, of, you know, to to have worked as in movies as a, as a director or something, because I I understand action, I understand action very much, um, very well, and I know this because I I've been to sets, you know, the um, set of Willow when I designed the costumes for Willow, and uh, saw George Lucas direct and Ron Howard and that and. Uh, I know if I had the training, I would have been uh, quite a good director.
2: In well, another I life, I would movie. have loved
0: to see a Chris Achilles film. Oh, for many, minute, from before I left college even, I wanted to do movies like uh, adventure movies with realism in it, you know, with with uh, like they were done more recently, you know, with fantastic action and uh, opening of movies. I remember going to see um, The Longest Day, have you seen that epic epic yeah, the longest yeah. oh, the I called yeah. it the warfare the longest bore <laughs> first hour of boredom you know basically and leaving the action just for the last half an hour or something stupid i uh, i wanted to open a movie last spielberg opened it with raiders of the lost ark you know uh, fantastic opening and when i saw that i just stood on my chair you know i just jumped up and said that's the way you do it yes <laughs> I just loved all that. I love movies very much.
1: Well, there's so much energy in your work. And they've, you know, for all we've talked about comic strips already mm. and and history, they've got a sort of dreamlike quality about them as well. And I think that movies, the history of yeah. cinema, it was born out of desire, wasn't it? To, to sort of put people's dreams... on on film on a screen in in front of people and a way of sharing dreams and I think that's really I mean good illustration it does kind of do that what I was what I was wondering about is your your very distinctive style which you know we all know and we all recognize that now and the the hallmarks of it but which which came first was it your work on the Doctor Who line or were you already perfecting that style and that and that balance before the okay, commission for, for um, Doctor Who we target.
0: The style of the Doctor Who covers came from my college uh, course, which was, like I said, technical and scientific illustration. And in that, we learned two main things. One, how to use a, a special pen, is called repeatograph pen, which was yeah, new technology, cool. really, which was a technical pen. How to do line very clearly, and how to illustrate the machinery and all that with with this pen, and the other thing was the airbrush, uh, which was uh, again uh, a tool that was available since the forties, I believe, and before, and the pen was also used for the dot technique. For scientific illustration, if you look at scientific. Uh,
1: for more more intricate, for the more intricate. Yeah, details. if you
0: look at archaeologists, for instance, when they do a drawing of a find, they use the same technique of drawing a skull with the dots, you know, to get it right. It's a coincidence that Bellamy was using a similar technique, the line and the dot. Um, so uh, having that skill developed in me and then i was asked to do uh, for instance the uh Fistful of dollar books that uh, i think i was doing in, a, in in the same time or a similar time i was asked to do the doctor who's it was um natural for me to progress from from that to the doctor who's which i knew it needed a graphic style and, and i and i also very aware then that i was doing those covers for children, not for adults. And children like a lot of clarity, something simple, not too complicated, but very colorful at the same time.
2: I, I still look back on those covers and I'm still amazed at your bold, well, what I think is a bold decision to have, have most times put the Doctor in black and white and the, and the monsters in color, and of course, I think it's very unlikely that anybody would go down that route today. And of course, that's one of the things that makes these, these, the, your covers so, so remarkable and so memorable. What, but it was a very counterintuitive thing to think, oh, I know, I'll put the Doctor in black and white. Where, can you remember where that decision came
0: from and why that decision was there? I, I wish I can remember. I don't think it was like, shall I do him in colour or shall I do him in black and white? Because what happened is I, I would draw the whole thing with the, with the pencil and then the pen. So everything, the background, whatever it is, and the dotted faces and all this. And then it's this black-white and line drawing. And then I would start to color in. Now, I, I don't do color wraps. I never did, like a lot of artists do. I just distinctly feel the color come through. So I started with the background, putting colors in the background. As I filled in the background, the doctor's heads just stood out, you know, much more, surrounded by this Technicolor background, you know, so I thought, you know, that's great, I shall leave it like that. And So it's almost accidental. Well, it's accidental that um, I didn't take it any further. Uh, I think it might have been. But later on, you know, when he came to the last one I did was the the arc in space, I think. And that, as you can see, is completely different. <laughs> completely very, very different. Why is that yeah. so, why is that such a different cover for you? Uh, from the early ones, it's completely <coughs> different. I mean, it's no, not much drawing in there at all. The, the, um, the insect is drawn and then filled in, in color. Uh, and the doctor's head is a pure watercolor drawing. And I, I was, very aware that was the last one I was going to do. And uh, I don't know, maybe I just wanted to do something different.
2: Because that's very much a painting, it, although it's still got a very graphic style, it is very much a painting, it, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And look at it, it's very punchy. I mean, yeah. if, if, if a 12-year-old kid saw that on a, on a bookshelf, you know, <laughs> yes, i
2: but that's true of every one of your covers, Chris. I mean, this is the whole point. And I can still remember going into, uh, as, as Dan said at the top, going into WH Smith's. And these covers just literally exploded off the shelf. I mean, they, they just did. And I can still remember just looking at, at this piece of art and just seeing this word, in, in most of them, seeing this word Achilleos in the corner. I'm thinking, what does that even mean? As a 10-year-old, I didn't even know yes. what Achilleos was. <laughs> what was that? Your hallmark, yes. Chris. Yeah, your hallmark.
1: And I, I was just thinking how these things, how these things do evolve, because you know I work in this sector too. And I was just looking at the Ark in Space cover there, and that bright yellow. Of course, you know, for for Target and anybody else who's selling a product, because this is commercial art that we're talking mm. about here. It's not fine art. It's commercial yes. art. It's there to sell something. And I suppose when a new set of books were about to come out then those children like like Simon and myself who would be in the bookshop looking for the new ones if if the latest lot if the covers were slightly evolved in some way like mm-hmm. with that bright yellow trim then that would really stand out like, that's a new one Mum! i that- want that one <laughs> that, that sort of thing that does it does sort of provoke that that kind of reaction yeah. i mean you were there weren't you from the very very beginning of this range the the target range when 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 uh, it was universal tandem tandem was it that set yes. it all up and so you you very much defined this look. And although other artists did, did come along sort of in between and then afterwards, you really defined this whole line. And you were there for some years, weren't you? So how long was it between your, your first illustrations and that um, the final one? And what sort of feedback did you get from the people running the line? Did they let you do pretty much what you wanted and, and be led by your own instincts?
0: Um, I stopped doing them in 77, and I think I started... Um I started doing them in '73, so um, it's quite a few years. I mean, on that period, I was also developing my love of uh, fantasy art mm. and working on a lot on the, on that angle.
1: It's fair to say that you weren't solely working on Doctor Who. No, no, um, no. Like I, I, I,
0: I didn't put all my eggs in one basket. I I did lots of uh, illustration. I started with commercial art, advertising and all this because I was very competent airbrush artist and there was only, you know, a a few of us in London. Then Um, I had a lot of work and uh, which brought in decent money. Uh, Book covers did not. They took twice as long and didn't bring much money at all. Can you remember how the original
2: commission first came about for Doctor Who? How were you approached or did you approach them?
0: i was um when i when i left college uh, i spent six months working on a magazine and then i was made redundant doing technical maps and, and and technical drawings and then i was made redundant and then i thought um by then i was uh i was going to get married in six six months time or something so big responsibility so i i thought i need a job you know what do i do and uh so i've I got on the train, went to London and went into Follower's bookshop and I I went through the shelves and and started making calls, you know, and um, (laughs) one of them uh, was Universal Tandem and they put me in touch with their art director. They said, go and show your portfolio to him, not us. So I went to Great Portland Street where he was and I showed him my portfolio and uh, he he thought um, I was good. And he gave me a couple of fantasy book covers to do, which I did, and uh, liked them. So then he said to my amazement, he said, I need someone to work in the studio with me. I've got too much work uh, for myself. Would you be willing to come and work for me? I said, freelance basis, nine to five. So I agreed to that. His guy's name was Brian Boyle. Now I wish I could reconnect with him because he'll have a lot to add to the Doctor Who story. So I worked with him for um two or three years and in that term I learned so much. Um I learned how to do the really the the graphic course, you know, at college, which I never did, which was uh, lettering and um sure. and, and designing books and editorial stuff and photography even, and all sorts of things. So I did a lot of covers for him, uh, including the designing of the cover, the look of the cover, how, how to design a, a book cover, which helped me enormously. So when I left there in in, in 73, whatever it was, 72, 73, I, uh, he approached me. He was still hiring me for work and I was working from home by then. And uh, he contacted me. He says, i got three, three books, Chris. Uh, it's about the the TV show, Doctor Who, uh, do you want to do them? And uh, I said, yes, of course. And uh, I said, I know Doctor Who, I watch it and uh, familiar with it. And that's how he started uh, working for him. It was a brand new thing and I was doing fantasy and all this sort of uh, stuff at the time. You know, it was difficult to know what the publishers expected of of them, you know. Mm. So I did a rough of, uh, and I wish I had that rough, of the zombie with a, a giant ant you know a real life ant on there or oh, the publishers took it to the bbc and the bbc <laughs> came back and they said absolutely not we need the creatures to of show the creatures do. from the show and that was fine for me i said it came back to me you know I said to Brian, I said, that's fine, but I need reference for these creatures. I, you know, <laughs> they want me to draw their monsters. they have to provide me with the reference photographs.
3: Yeah,
1: these episodes had not been on the TV for nearly 10 yeah. years at that point.
0: And um, so he, he approached the BBC and the, pub, the publishers and the BBC, and they sent a couple of pictures of the Zawabi, you know, the, the ant
2: people yeah.
0: and the moth. And uh, that's how we came to do that. Yeah, and it's still a great cover, oh, and I filled it in goodness. with the graphics, and uh, and then after that, I did the um, the Daleks. Of course, I had no idea what colour the Daleks were, or or the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um, police box, the TARDIS. So I just filled in with colour, you know. And you did and, the TARDIS uh, pink. Yeah, I did a pink TARDIS.
2: And it works, brilliant. it works so well. And it's really, really funny because you never actually notice that the TARDIS is pink. It, 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 it just works. The colours just work brilliantly. Well, that's the- what
0: I did. I followed my instinct with colour because I did those coloured, uh, I'm pointing in now, uh, the, you know, the stars and the planets inside yeah. the Doctor's coat. And I followed the colour through yeah. to, you know, it's colour balancing. And,
1: uh, and that's the difference between graf- graphic art, isn't it, and,
2: and a, f- a fine yes, art. Yes. And this, again, one of the reasons why these kind of covers absolutely fired my imagination as a child, because I'm looking at the Doctor and I can see, you know, this, the planets and the stars wow. and the galaxies all in, in inside the Doctor. And it just yeah. absolutely fired my imagination far more than a photorealistic painting would have done.
0: Yes, um, exactly. That, that's the beauty of it, you see. I am blessed with a very good eye for graphics and uh, designing.
1: Go back and look at these things over the years. and I, I always see new things in them. It's just mm.
2: a beautiful cover. The Daleks in particular is just a beautiful cover. You know, you could just sit and look at that forever and, and there, there is a world within that, that one little tiny piece of artwork. And as so, I say, so I think that's what set my imagination alight as a child and bearing in mind you know obviously when i was reading all of these books and looking at this art again i hadn't seen any of these stories i wasn't born when these went out i i had no reference in my brain of what the zabi would look like this is what this is why i knew what a zabi looked like because of your artwork um and so when you ultimately see the television program it's
0: it's a disappointment because the artwork (laughs) is so good (laughs) and the daleks don't don't have fire coming out of their guns no Oh, they should have. They, they should,
3: should have it again. <laughs>
0: I mean, union rules didn't allow fire in in the studio. <laughs> well, one of my absolute
2: favourite covers of yours is "Planes with the Daleks," which I've got up yeah. here in poster. And one of the reasons I love it is because of the fire coming out of the gunstick. That's better than anything yes. that ever appeared on television. I love the fact that you know there's it, it's this it's this somehow this fire that's literally dripping. Yes. In a real... It's like a flamethrower. That's yeah. what it reminds me of. A it's the dripping. It's, this, it's,
3: it's these spots. Yeah. You <laughs> like the drips?
2: Yeah.
3: The, I, it just looks <laughs>
0: phenomenal. What wouldn't? What 12-year-old wouldn't be excited by that cover? Yeah. I mean, that,
3: that,
0: but it makes the Dalek more than tin can. It makes him dangerous, like a tank. Absolutely. And this yeah. is why
2: they, they, they the truth of it
0: is: these co- these covers look far
2: better. Than, than anything that you would have seen on television in Planets of the Daleks, they're very trunky, they're very they're very dust can, and on that, that's just
1: you've got weight, weight <sighs> and power. I'm just looking at the Crusaders cover Ooh. here, uh, and uh, yeah, we talk about the, the historical angle there with the you've yes. got the the battle ensuing above, and, and the Doctor sort of looking on, powerless to stop it all, and and King Richard peering over his shoulder. It, it tells the whole story somehow, Chris. Uh-huh. Another beautiful it, it, balance of was, colour and light and Yeah, shade. it was
0: the third one because they came in threes and this was the first three. The Crusades was really difficult to do because the BBC had no reference for me at all for King Richard, except the actor's head cool. with the crown. And, and uh, again, a quite a poor picture of William Hartnell. So I had to but make the, the rest well, up. Well, the Hartnell on this is just absolutely magnificent. <laughs> He's a little bit round-headed and... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm full of self-criticism, but um,
1: you really jumped on the chance to illustrate the battle scene yes. above with with the. Well, I loved history.
0: all that. You know, it was in um, in all the comics and the history books I was reading. I was fascinated by the Crusades and still are, You know, the Knights nice Templars and all that stuff. You know, they were they're not taken from the TV series.
1: Case by case, you wouldn't know which stories you were going to get pictures from or no. not. So it was it was literally a case by case yeah. job.
0: Yeah, and later on, I, I remember uh, being sent to this uh, uh, this the, this building in uh, of uh, Oxford Circus, I think, which wasn't too far from where um, Brian Bold Studio was. It belonged to the BBC, and they held all the old records. I was told it'd be alright, just tell them who you are and that you you want some photo reference of Doctor Who and they'll show you. So I went in there and I went upstairs in a little room and the girl said they're all in there in this grey filing cabinet, take what you want. So I went in there and they had all the episodes, you know, in files. And honestly, I'll go to the one I want and there was like three or four (laughs) black and whites and that was it. And if you're lucky you find one that you can use for the loch ness monster for instance there was nothing of the monster nothing and uh, i said look (laughs) either i'm going to make up the monster or you find something and uh, they searched everywhere eventually they found a little polaroid (laughs) of the head of the monster so i had a tiny little blurred you know picture of um, the loch ness monster to work from it was always a struggle to find reference.
2: Maybe that's one of the reasons why they're, they're as, as striking as they are, because you had so little to work with. It really, yeah. you, you, you had to use your imagination. You had to make very little work um, and maybe you worked. Yeah. I don't know, did, did you work extra hard on these or was it a case that they were, they were just quick and easy and you had no idea that we'd be looking at these
0: in 40 years later and so you oh, churned no. them out as quickly as you could? Well, I was doing, uh, like I said, my, I didn't consider them as my main work. It was considered, you know, I was doing that a long time and it was steady work. And I knew I would take five days to do one. And I knew, you know, uh, a week, shall we say. So, that a um, time? yeah, take a week with the delivery and all this, you know. I knew that I had security, you know, that I would get paid. So it's a good, secure job to do. The oh. thing that I'm sort of a little bit bitter about is that I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to be into the success of these book covers. I was kept in the dark, you know. I was.
1: What you were kept in the dark about how well they uh, were yes, selling actual exactly. books?
0: The only hint I got is when the um, the, the, the lady editor, I think she was. Uh, she said, Chris, we're getting a lot of letters. Some letters she will pass on to me from children. And she said, um, we like to start a fun club round you and, and, and the covers. And I sort of laughed at that. <laughs> And I said, uh, What would that involve? And she said, Well, you, the kids would send you lots of letters and you have to reply to them and all this. I said, Whoa, 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 no <laughs> way. I can't write letters. You know, this is out of the question. So I didn't do it. But that showed me how popular they were, but not uh, the commercial success that they were. As I found out later, reading other articles from people who saying, actually, the target range, the Doctor Who range, was holding up the whole publishing house.
2: Um, I, I think what you're talking about as well, Chris, is I think if I think I'm right in saying that they used the cover to the second monster book. I think the BBC, if I remember rightly, used the artwork for for the second monster book in a, a variety advert in the United States to promote the se- the television series, not the target books.
0: Yes. That's what I it. it was a huge deal, as you could imagine. This was going to be franchised and uh, mm-hmm. shown all over America, not just a uh, local station. So it's worth millions, you know. And they used my artwork. They used my artwork to do it. They didn't use photographs, you know, and what, from the what show. did you find out that they'd used your artwork? Did you find out just purely by chance? I found out because a friend of mine who lived in New York sent me uh send me the uh tv times the american tv times and he sent it to me and i, I just I, I was furious you know the art director was new he didn't know really this how big you know my work was on those covers to I approached the association of illustrators to get get support and they didn't want to know so i was you know i was left to to think, you know, I became the pariah
1: you know <laughs> It really does make you yeah. stop and think because I, I did wonder how proprietorial you may have been about it at the time, whether whether you were at all or whether it was just another job or whether whether when it did sort of wind down and you moved on, whether you felt like it, you'd got things out of your system and you were happy to move on, but it sounds like you had quite a lot that you wanted to continue well, to I give Well I didn't want
0: to, to give it up, ranch. I enjoyed doing them and it was it's, it's, it's regular work But they made it impossible for me to carry on. They have no rights. You know, the only rights they had is for the British and Commonwealth book cover rights only. All they had to do is approach me and tell me the truth. Say, Chris, we want to use your artwork to launch a series in America. And here's a fee for you, you know, whatever that would be.
2: Yeah, on the one hand, it's obviously very, very flattering. It's a, it's a great compliment that they want to use your artwork to, to promote the series in America. So, so I don't doubt that you would have responded very well to that, but there is a way and a means to doing that.
1: And all the time, these books were continuing to sell more and to get reprinted over exactly and that. over and over, I was, and over exactly.
0: again. Exactly. I was just about to tell you that uh, not long ago, I had, um, I had a, an interview, a meeting, you know, with uh, two of the writers... Terence Dix and uh, and the other guy, I forget his name, and we're sitting down, being interviewed, and Terence said it was so great, you know. Uh, suddenly, an envelope would arrive, and it'd be a big fat check in there for another reprint of the of the Target books, and he was yeah, you know, full of it, you know. And I said, uh, and he said to me, "Isn't that right, Chris?" And I said no it's not I said <laughs> I said I only just uh, I got paid once and that was it and they kept reprinting it and reprinting it and paying you guys fat checks I never got a penny
2: so, so out of interest are, are you still not getting any royalty payments for example for the for the for the um, the audio books the, the, the CDs no that I have? do
0: I do for that I do for that okay uh, I do for that because it's they're using it for a different uh, repurposing it different article all time. Okay. for the audiobooks the, and uh and even when i mean the bbc now is a different kettle of fish they're, they're, yes. they're, they're nicer people
2: unfortunately you were a victim to that style back in we're talking obviously several yeah. decades ago, and that's how it was back then people didn't care there was no such thing as a brand the bbc didn't care about branding like they do that's now true. so it's very very different now um yeah but that's that's very rough on you
0: yeah, I mean, like I said, everybody was pay- getting paid really well and I just got my initial fee, which wasn't very much. And that was it, you know, uh, and then they kept reprinting them and reprinting them, I was selling them to Australia and Canada. And, you know, and then I, more recently I discovered they were also sold in Holland. There was Dutch editions and uh, I don't know what else, you know, you probably know more about it than I do.
2: They are part of the of the history of Doctor Who in a very, yeah. very real way. Um, yeah. and so and They so, kept
0: it from me. They, they kept the whole big success away from me. Maybe they were afraid that I will ask for more money and maybe I would have done, you know, and why not? And why not? But, if, if it was working and you were selling them, why, why wouldn't it? Yeah, they? as you can see, the covers after that, it's not for me to say anything about them, but I'm sure they didn't sell as many as my covers did.
1: Well last year, when Terence Sticks we mentioned Terence Sticks a little while ago when he passed yeah. away, we recorded an episode all about the Target books and put it out there and we've got a good cross section of listeners some of whom are a great deal younger than, than Simon and myself and uh, who are just sort of discovering the book range for the first time either through re- reprints or the audiobooks that we mentioned and we had a lot of feedback saying so, you know, it's fascinating and how we sort of we just sort of opened, the, opened the, the story of the Target books but for any of those who may be listening out there how many of the covers did you actually paint in the end? Have you any idea the exact
0: number or a rough amount? Not offhand, I don't know. I think um, it's about
2: thirty, isn't it? About thirty odd. I
0: think. It's about thirty. Yeah, but I also yeah. Um, I did the Thai food special a bit of advertising using Doctor Who for those collecting cards, and the uh-huh. special monster books. I did two of those, That's and a, uh, larger and one of Tom Baker and that, that was it yeah. that was the
1: amazing world of Doctor Who
0: that's right we'll the amazing
2: world of Doctor Who absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's a, and it's a beautiful piece of artwork that is it kind of encapsulates yeah. in the way everything of your style and that one piece of artwork is yeah. all in there on that, on that
1: absolutely mm. glorious have you got a favourite piece Chris or is it a bit like trying to pick a favourite
0: child uh, no it's not like that <laughs> um, <laughs> go on <laughs> then, what's your favourite well I, I used to like uh, Genesis um, oh ok was my favorite. Mm. This was, uh, you know, wh- when I was doing them. Yeah. I still like that very much.
2: Yeah. I mean, to, uh, well. the one thing I think about Genesis is the is the rendering uh, the, uh, on the Dalek and on Davros is just exquisite. I mean, the, the detail yeah. and the actual yeah. way you have painted those is
0: just truly useful. But also, the they, right. chose, they chose the right color for the lettering on the top, the red. The red. I mean, if you look at some of the others, this is why I, w- yeah. I would get really angry at, disappointing and angry, you know. When you look at, for instance, the um, the Claws of Axos, and it's so, it's so yellow and orangey, ready. you know, and then you get this cold blue lettering on the top. And it's just awful. <laughs> it just doesn't go at all. Or or if you look at um, Carnival nice. of Monsters, yeah. I mean that, that blue is just, yeah, just awful up there you know it should have been a, a more a, a sympathetic colour to the illustration
1: and that's what graphic design is about as yeah. well isn't it? it's the complement of the illustration with the copy with the the corporate yeah. dress of those logos and things like that, the house style I mean that, that copy of Genesis of the Daleks that Simon was just holding up what I love about it as well, what really stands out is that black that really thick yeah. Blackboard that's thicker than usual. That was obviously a, a deliberate choice. Yes, too. I did that it to hold
0: everything together, and I gave it that sort of uh, parchment look, you know. Okay. And, and uh, you know, it's just right, you know.
2: Why, why did you put? Why did you put Tom in a circle on that? I've always wondered. I used to look at this cover as a child. and I used to think, why
0: did the artist put
2: Tom well, in? I, a circle
0: there? I do that a lot. You know, I, I do the same with um, other other ones. I also did that on uh, Claws of Axos*. John is in a circle there. If you look at that. It's,
2: it's, yeah, absolutely. It's great. I mean, again, as a child, I loved that, but I was intrigued as to what would make yeah. an artist think to do something like that. Because, again, it's 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 somewhat counterintuitive. It's not necessarily what you would expect that to, to be done. I
1: think sometimes it makes them look almost sainted. <laughs> well, they're in a
0: frame, and it's also almost like a TV screen, you know, looking out of uh, a hole in the wall, you know. It's, it's, it's just
2: clever stuff it's just clever and it fires imagination so if this isn't your
0: favorite anymore then genesis what is now then well i'm uh, moving on um mm-hmm. i think um uh let me get the titles right the ice warriors is a perfect cover it's the second time that i didn't use the doctor's head in there did you, you know? get problems with that at first I, think... I did but you know when i was doing them simon i i I would just, I, I had no, I was left to my own devices. They knew i, I that I, I knew what I was doing, you know, uh, because the books were so, so successful, you know, they're selling so many and all this for the covers. And so they left me alone to just get on with it. I didn't have to show roughs to an art director, I didn't have to discuss it with anyone. And the first thing they see it is when I deliver the artwork in the office. So i didn't even go to the art director in, in later on uh, i used to go straight to the tandem books and, and and unveil it i think it was the tenth planet uh it's the first time i left the doctors yeah the doctor's head off they just got really upset with that and wanted me to, All right. to do it again basically because you can't correct those once they're done they're done and i Thank said no because I knew it's, it's, it's a good cover, you know, it, didn't, it doesn't need the doctors, everybody knows, I said to them, everybody knows, you know, the doctor's in that story. It's a, brilliant. It's, point, it, yeah. it's a
2: brilliant cover and it's one of my all-time favourites simply because this was the very, very first um, book I had. Uh, the Doctor Who book I had—I actually had it as a hardback—and I and I've managed to track down the hardback from 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 the, from the library um, because that was where I borrowed it from to begin with. So I've got it in hardback, no. and, and this is a, that cover as a child really inspired me because actually it hadn't got the Doctor on. So of course, cause again, yeah. I hadn't seen this on TV, I had no idea which Doctor this was even in this
0: story. Yeah, that made it all the more exciting then. Uh, But also, I tried to encapsulate the story there. You see, the Cyberman, the planets, this Earth being engulfed by the power of the Cyberman from their planet. It's brilliant.
1: Um, It's almost like an arm reaching around, isn't it? Yeah, energy from yeah, invasion
0: taking over. You
2: know, coming back to your Ice Warriors, this is yeah, one of the things that I love. It's again, it's all this fizzy energy. It's this fizzy. Yes. And this, again, is what, as a child, just literally electrified me, rather than just having it's what is it. a beautiful yeah. rendering of an Ice Warrior. It's having that, that, that fizzing
0: energy around it. But yeah, literally I always like, you're, you're so level. right, you're, you're so right, because I like adding uh, another dimension, which is sound. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've, I've observed children, when they look at books or something, or they play even by themselves they make a noise you know Mm -hmm. they're always making noises you know (laughs) bang bang boom you know whatever you know i do that now yeah exactly so i i I loved all that and and my knowledge of comic illustration also which they added all that in there kazap and all this you know it's wonderful so i was building up to that so after the after the 10th planet and and uh, i repeated it in the in the ice warriors you know i i left the doctor out and i put i put sound in there i put those energy bars sparkling on you know surrounding the screaming girl you know
2: and it's absolutely uh, that—that's part of the reason why I love your work so much. And and daft as it sounds, as a child, I—and I still love the fact that, as Dan says, there's this big, thick black border, but the energy yeah. is sparking outside the black border. So again, to me, as a child, and and all of your colours are the same. You know, the Seeds of Doom has got a big black border. Things are exploding out of it, and so so out of it. it
1: yeah, it's oh, every element is tied and, to yeah. everyone. And
2: I don't know. I can't explain it. Why it is that it excites me to see that border with things breaking out from it? Because somehow yeah. it's reaching out to me. Yeah. Well and said. it's genius. It's very
1: important. Yeah, with the monster, with that. the monster outside and the Zygon inside and the Doctor yeah, even further yeah. back. Yeah. It's
0: like they're breaking out of the TV set. You know, they're coming That's out.
2: What I think it is, Chris. I think you're right. <laughs> it's this idea that everything is sort of breaking out and it's coming towards you, and it's so much yeah. more energetic. than it would be if it's just a flat piece of artwork yeah um so all those little energy bolts i mean again i mean look at the three doctors that's got to be one of the best (laughs) book covers of all time
3: and
2: and again it's all those energy bolts it's the fizzing energy that that's just erupting around around omega that just sets the imagination
0: going well you've Um, got to mention that i've copied that from jack kirby
1: I'm not going to
2: mention it because I—I I, I was just going to say how Kirby. <laughs> I that think everybody was. knows that. Now. Everybody knows that those hands yeah. are copied. It yeah. doesn't matter one jot. Nobody cares. It doesn't lessen that piece of artwork. Did Kirby know, Chris? Did Jack know? I wish
0: I had it to show it to him when I met him. <laughs>
3: he
2: would
0: have been. We would have had a good laugh at it, you know. I'm sure.
1: Well, I was wondering. You've painted or drawn. Well, certainly, certainly, sort of illustrated pretty much all of the doctors, haven't you? Because even since you've you've left Target, you do keep going back, and there are several several pieces up on your website, aren't there, of later doctors? But I was wondering, Chris. Mm. I, I suspect I know the answer, but is there one particular doctor that is you, that was your favourite to capture on the covers?
0: Oh dear. Um, when I was doing them, I suppose it's Padgett and enjoyed painting him if i had a decent picture of him it would have been uh, like i did on the abominable snowman uh, you know it's wonderful reference to work from he was great to draw and also i liked him as the doctor <laughs> do you yeah. do, uh, do, do you very expressive yeah. faces
1: lots of different
0: expression for yeah, every single that's right
1: i thought you were going to say pertwee that no, surprised
0: me um Perway's fine as well, but he always complained that I drew his nose too big. He actually, he actually <laughs> wrote to the BBC. Oh, is that true? We've heard that yeah, story. he wrote to the BBC and to pass it down to me, to the publishers, and to me not to draw his nose big. And uh, I still, <laughs> got got still got the letters. How much? Still got the letters. It's hilarious.
2: Everyone's a critic. So, so, did yeah. you change it, yeah. Chris, or did you did you just carry on drawing it exactly the same as you were? I think I drew it even
0: bigger <laughs> 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 on, uh, on on the demons. Oh, if you look at the, the demons or daemons, I don't know how you pronounce it. I've I made his nose glow a bit. Oh, I love that one. Can you see the color <laughs> <of his> nose? <laughs> yes. So going back to More. my favorites. Yes. Backtrack a bit. Yes. 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 I mean the. Um, oh yes. The the ice warriors is great i tell you another, another reason why I like it so much because they actually use the right color for the logo, a yeah. dark green color, which goes yeah. with, the, with the Ice Warrior. I think it's perfect. It is perfect. Uh, Now, more recently, that's been my favorite for a long time, but more recently, I'm looking again at um, the Claws of Axos. I, I think that's, that's a fantastic cover as well, but it's ruined by the blue lettering on the top. Absolutely ruined. If that was a sort of bright red, a rich red colour, it would just make it so much better. Uh, but the illustration—it's—it's really nice, and and the quality of my drawing on the uh, on the creature—it's—it's—it's it's, it's amazing. I don't think I can do that now. You'd have thought with all
1: the reprints that they had, Chris, they might have—you know—if they, if they'd have asked you, if you'd have told them you'd have wanted that. No, changed, no, change the no, colour of the
0: no, logo no, for one. You know, nobody asked my opinion about anything. You know. <laughs> they just go Don't... ahead and sell thousands of them. You're right. <laughs> Clause of Axos
2: is a beautiful cover. And what I notice at looking of all of these covers kind of almost in, in order, as it were, is that the earlier covers of yours start out in a way more stark and... Uh, uh, simplistic isn't the correct word, obviously, but they're more stark, they're more minimal, I guess. Yes. Whereas, yes. once you're getting towards the, the, into things like the Tenth Planet, Seeds of Doom, um, Pyramids of Mars, the Planet of the Daleks, the Clause of Axos, they're getting much more dense, um, yes. less stylized in a way, and more dense in in the detail of the painting that's in there. Was that a deliberate thing, or did it just evolve, or why was that, do you think?
0: It's because I had a larger area to work with. Um, uh, Instead of my illustration being a square area, I feel like, of the early ones, it became an oblong area with a a lot of area on the top to go behind the lettering. That's why you have all that sort of colouring going up there and all that. So with Um, these early
2: ones, you were told to keep it into a square frame and with the later ones you were allowed to go larger. Yeah,
0: and do the frame.
4: Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We'd like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to the Fandom Podcast Network and all of the other awesome shows we have to offer. It starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, our weekly pop culture news podcast. Bloody Kings, our Highlander podcast. Couch Potato Theater, our podcast celebrating our favorite movies. Time Warp, the fandom flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite pop culture topics. Enzo, the NFL podcast. Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville podcast. Hair Metal the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast, Type 40, our Doctor Who podcast, Lethal Mullet, a 1980s and 90s action film podcast, What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast, and our newest show, Making Treks, a new Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier with hosts Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. You can enjoy all of these great fandom podcast network shows on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. Fandom Podcast Network is also on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Facebook under Fandom Podcast Network. You can also email us at FandomPodcastNetwork at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under Fandom Podcast Network. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom.
1: Yes, we've teased and tantalised you there. Now let us clothe you too. Head over to tpublic.com. Search for the Fandom Podcast Network and you'll find a store full of the team colours for all those shows on T-shirts, hats, mugs and a TARDIS full of other items. Treat yourself, treat your other selves and it all goes to support the network continuing to fill your ears with 100% fabulous fandom goodness.
0: Because, I mean... I was I was in, in in the big San Diego con, you know, and there's all oh, these new generation artists, you know, in their forties and even fifties. And they'll come over and, and tell me the same thing. I bought your first book, Chris, Beauty and the Beast, and uh yeah, I, I started by copying your paintings from there, you know, and all this. And these are famous artists now, you know. And I'm so like uh, of, you know, overwhelmed and flattered by it, yeah. this, you know. It's wonderful. Yeah. I, only, I only became what I became because of my love of the, of the art in the comics. You know, of copying those guys.
1: It inspires creativity. I think Doctor Who appeals to creative people. I think, well, the way you were talking about movies earlier on, mm. I think movies and, and and that kind of geekiness that we've all got It appeals to creative people. I mean, Simon Simon was just holding up the Seeds of Doom cover there. That reminds me of a film poster. And having (laughs) spoken to you now at length about the things that you love it, i'm joining the dots joining the dots <laughs> of chris <Akuleo's> work. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's true it's true so now i can see what's fed in yeah. where and, and how much you brought that was obviously particular to you and so idiosyncratic and and that people have latched on and this is why you get all the all this feedback even now after 30 yeah. 40 years you mentioned there some of your art, one of your art books, Beauty and the Beast. Because you know Doctor Who was far, far from the end of it for, for you, wasn't it? You, you've you've had uh, four, isn't it? Four art book yeah, collections. Yeah, four today Contributed
0: to quite a few others.
1: You've worked extensively as a conceptual artist as well, haven't you? And interior illustrator. Yes, I have. Yes,
0: and uh, for for movies, you know, I, I was brought in as the last resort. You know, when the costume designer was uh, having their work rejected and the uh, and and the director was pulling his hair out (laughs) was this willow was this on willow Willow? and king arthur mainly last resort
2: and chris akileo somehow do not work together in the same sense (laughs) since they (laughs) were you know
0: (laughs) i I always wish that was brought in in the beginning of a project you know rather than on the last minute you know when everybody's panicking and you know
2: one of your other most famous pieces of work is the is the cover uh well the covers for for raven swords swords mistress of chaos which of course kate bush um very famously uh appropriated for her babushka
0: video yes she did I mean, <laughs> without asking did, i was going to say did she not ask for no. she didn't
2: no, ask
0: I'm disappointed
2: because it, because when you look at the two side by side, you look at the, at the, at the Babushka video, and you look at your artwork, it's a direct, direct copy. She didn't ask
4: permission.
0: Well, her team didn't ask permission. There was, you know, it's a long story, but I challenged them with it. And uh, I was told to bugger off basically. Oh. And that made me angry. Oh. <laughs> And I said, I get, I've got to get a lawyer onto this and, and sue the pants of them and all this. But I, I never I, I just got on with my work and, and tried to forget about it. And then I got a call from her brother who was acting as her agent or some position like that. He apologized. He said of oh, what happened before and they sat the person that spoke to me so rudely. And he acknowledges that it was copied from my painting and uh and willing to pay me uh, a fee for because they, they they're gonna launch uh, kate bush's greatest hits and they're gonna have a a vinyl with with a picture of babushka on it and this and that and uh and it caught me in a good mood one <laughs> minute i am drawing, working away the phone goes and then this you know you have to put your business hat on which i never did and um i i just Mentioned a figure which was silly, and he jumped on it. Next thing I know, it's a biker, it's a biker messenger on the doorstep with a check <laughs> and 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 a release form for me to sign, a release letter. You know, terrible. I, well, I just wow. said to him, no, ju- I just want my credit acknowledgement that uh, the truth again. I, I'm very strong, you know. I believe in justice and truth yeah. and honor, you know, and I try to live by it. And I've come across a lot of people who do not in this industry, including the, the publisher of my first three books, you know, uh, Dragon's World Limited, who was a gangster. You know, he, he was an absolute gangster old man and didn't pay us royalties that he owed and uh, I, had to take, I had to take legal action against him and Basically, put him out of business, which also made a lot of other artists very angry with me because they, to quote them, they didn't care as long as they were getting famous, which made me furious to hear that they just wanted to be famous and didn't care that uh, that they were being. Exploited. Well, yeah.
2: wow. I, I think you're clearly a man of integrity, and and, and I'm my hat off to you for that. Because all credit would, I, I, it's much better to be a man with integrity than than, than a, a scoundrel. Yeah.
0: But so, it's always a price to play in this world, you know. Because business is business, they say. You know, as if you know, um, it's all right to do to break all the rules and exploit people, and uh, and, and just just carry on as if you know nothing matters
1: what advice would you give to any young artists out there that are listening that would want to go into oh room? and what I've been
0: things? asked before many years I've been asked uh, I had uh, young artists coming to me almost in tears saying I've done this illustration and the, the publishers now is using me for all sorts of things what can I do about it Chris and I say to him well show me your um, your, your invoice And he said what invoice (laughs) i said what do you mean i said i don't have one i just have a a receipt you know oh my god these things you learn as you go watch your paperwork
1: that's that's the advice get your paperwork in order chris chris Chris, (laughs) what are your thoughts
2: Uh, now obviously unfortunately your kind of style of work now is very gone because it's uh, because it's all it's all digital art now it's all computer oh yes now, which i i i you know dan knows i really am not a fan of I, I i don't like computers i don't like computer graphics this to me your stuff is the real deal how do you feel about that where do you stand on digital art versus versus what i think i was real art
0: I think it started. I don't know when this in the nineties. Did they? Yeah, I would say nineties. Photoshop came along late nineties, and uh, you know I got friends, artists, and uh, one in particular, he, he went and spent a fortune buying the latest uh, Apple Mac and Photoshop and all this. He mastered it. That's the you know the computer art style, and he said to me, you know, I can do it in fraction of the time, Chris, that it takes to do a painting. And that's what he was about, again, money, you know. And publishers got used to paying pittance, really, for covers. You know, why do that when you have an, in, an, in, an, in, an in-house student just out of college, you know, paying pittance and say, get me a cover for this, you know, and it'll go and copy and paste something, you know, and call it a cover. And why would they want to pay an artist like me a decent fee to spend uh, two weeks to a month, you know, doing a cover? It's just not worth it. it? The problem is computers but,
2: have allowed everybody to become an artist. That that's the yeah. problem. And so and so, if you haven't learned your craft to begin with, it doesn't matter. You just press a well, few buttons. And it's diamond, a piece of art.
0: there's a, a lot of people can draw. You know, a lot of kids can really draw well, and amazingly well. But that a lot of people don't have the imagination, first of all, and the sense of, um, of symmetry, you know, and the eye of an artist, you know what I mean? All those things go together uh, to make a successful commercial artist, including things like patience and not mind being in a room by yourself. For days or weeks, you know, with the only company is, is the radio, you know, or your music. And and the pressure of deadlines, you know, it's another thing. I had a friend who was a great, amazing artist, but could not meet the deadline. He just <laughs> couldn't take the pressure and it, it killed him in the end, you know. He just had to give it up. It's all these things, you know, self-discipline above all to sit down and, 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 and get on with it, instead of playing a computer game or something.
1: Do you still see illustrators that, you know, up and coming people, do, does, do work, does other people's work still catch your eye, and are there still people coming up that you uh, admire?
0: Yeah, of course there are, they're amazing artists, um, mostly digital, they're digital, but they you know, the digital format is really made for reproduction on, on, on book covers and comic strips, especially, it's fantastic the the quality you get now. But it's not; they have nothing to show. There's no artwork, and and I always say this: there's no risk in computer art in digital art. While he, in, in if you're doing a painting, as you know, if you did yourselves, I mean, look at the Loch Ness monster. If I got you know the airbrushing of the of, of the rainbow colours in the back of that. Imagine, if, you know, I'm doing all that. And suddenly, the airbrush spits, or or the, or the or the masking comes loose. Yeah. You know, oh, you've really? got no undo button. That. Yeah, that was so <laughs> difficult to do. Not many people could have done that in those days. Can do that digitally, no problem at all. You make yeah. a mistake, you go back a step. You know,
2: and you've knocked that up in literally about five minutes. The the, 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 the background on that on a, on a computer. Exactly. And, and it's funny. It's funny you mention that because that one again is one of the ones that that always intrigued me as a child. I used to think, what what made the artist put that in in this coloured tunnel? What was the idea? Again, it's very it's very it's got nothing
0: really to do with the story. Where, I mean, where did the inspiration come from to do that? Well, it's thinking. It's almost like a time tunnel, isn't it? This sort of a doctor in the middle of it, and like I, when I did Patrick Trout in a web, you know. Um, like a, a spider in the middle of the web, you know, it's sort of the main thing, you know. And it's just
1: what you said about the TV, the TV screen earlier on. I did wonder if it was. You know, like when the TV when the TV goes off, it used to go to the little yeah. white dot. I did wonder if it was that, if it was another TV sort of visual
2: metaphor. Yeah. Almost. This is, this is one, of the, one of the reasons why these covers are so successful. Because again, as a child, I looked at that and I was intrigued by it, and I was drawn into the tunnel. And so it was far more than just a piece of artwork with the Zygon and a Loch Ness monster on it. Yeah. it. It had again, it had a world in there that I could literally fall into. And explore. Yeah. Do you? I mean, we talked about your favourite cover. Do I dare to ask: Do you have a least favourite cover, Chris? I have a few. Oh, you've got a <laughs> few. How can you have a few? <laughs> I have Go a on. few. I mean, you want to know? Yeah, I do. I mean, intrigued, because these all are just such brilliant pieces of artwork, and
0: I'd have every oh. one of these on <laughs> my wall. It's... Okay, you're ready for this. The, the Seeds yeah, of Doom. No, no, it's one of
2: all... the best. It's a movie in
0: itself. It's yeah. on my wall. Look, it's on my yeah. wall. I know. What's I know. wrong with it? The the figures, the Tom Tom Baker and what's the name? They're awful. No, they're wonderful. They're drawn so badly. <laughs> the only no, thing, I. Remember. The only good thing is the explosion. I love the
2: explosion. <laughs> the explosion is magnificent. It's it good. It's friends, Chris, I just love that. The, 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 the fact that what you've you got, got a Spitfire or whatever it is in there, an RA. No! Oh.
0: That's... um that's um, Oh, God. What do you call that plane? I used to know it backwards. What, them, I, what is it? Harry? I don't know what it is. No, no, a no. no. Not, phantom. Not, 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 phantom. 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 A Phantom. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, there's a movie in that, Chris. There is a movie in that. What? Well, I know. The design <laughs> is cool. It tells the story, but the drawing of the figures, especially Sarah's mouth open like that, it just looks awful. And
1: Niggles he's got with it, Simon. Niggles. Yeah, come on, on, have another, another one. one then.
0: Another one. Yeah. Um, what don't you uh, like Another one. Let me think. Um, it's uh, the demons. Oh, okay. The demons and the oh, doomsday interesting. weapon. Well, interesting.
2: Why don't we? Oh, you see, I love the doomsday weapon because of the claws. Oh.
0: Yeah, I, really yeah like I got the I got the colours wrong in the Doomsday Weapon. Oh, I, I lo- you know, again the design is good. The Master looks good. The Doctor looks good, and go. the design of the claws and it's just the colour is awful. The background covers colours are, are dreadful. They're more, it's more lurid than. You know, oh, yeah, to go yeah, for. it's just a mess.
2: This oh, I it's... I, love, I, love, I love the colours on that. That, that, that. The That's line set, work that is so my... beautiful. I've never even That's noticed it. That set my mind <laughs> reeling as a child. I'm kind of. I might go with you on the demons. Actually, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm looking at the demons. The new light now, and I'm thinking you might have a point on the demon. Yeah, don't like it.
1: They can't all be number one. Something's got to finish bottom, hasn't it? Even even in a, a distinguished lion as that. Have you got Have you got a couple of favourites? Uh,
2: my favourites, I would definitely say. Uh, well, my absolute top favourite, without any shadow of a doubt, is. Dal- give Give me da- well, top three. Well, t- well my top oh. one. I'm going for my top one, which is the Diary Dal- of Really? Um, that was That was the very first uh, Target book I bought. Yeah, I that was that. my i I'd read some from the library, but that was the first Target book I bought, and I bought it purely because of the cover now, I was presented it was in WH Smith's I got all these Doctor Who books in front of me I got enough pocket money to buy one of them which one did I buy and it was that one purely because of the cover now that Chris has got to be one of the best book covers okay. of all time talk more specifically T- we've talked about movies that you love. I love movies as well. I'm obsessed with movies the same as you. And so there's a movie in there for me. But yeah. the Dalek, I love the fact that the Dalek is pink uh, rather <laughs> than what you would expect it to be. Again, I love the the, 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 the death ray coming out of the arm. Of the, um, the I love the spaceship. I love the explode, the the, the fire at the bottom of it. I love
1: the bl- it looks like the Blitz, yeah, the doesn't it? the
2: skyline yeah. with, with, with Big Ben in there. You can smell All it. All of the spaceships disappearing off into the distance. I love again the fizzy energy that's around the Dalek. Just everything about that is just utter, utter. The amazing. guy with
0: it with a gun.
2: Yeah, the- fantastic. And of course, what's interesting is that you've used the, the the photographic reference that you've used from this is not actually from the TV show. It's from yeah. the Dalek movie. And yeah. so, you know, you you made the right decision. I did, was that uh-huh. a deliberate decision
0: to go for the movie spaceship and Robo Man. No, no, I, I probably didn't have enough reference for for the TV show. And, well, uh, well, I, I,
2: thank, well, thank goodness, because it's a blessed relief because that Robo Man and that
0: spaceship is way better than anything that would have, uh, from the yeah. TV show. And well, recently, just, more recently, I, I do private commissions for people,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I did one, was it a private commission? i get confused because i did some covers for the fedex magazine when they when the um the series was relaunched the tv series was relaunched they asked me they did a big oh, article yes, on XFX, it yeah. okay and and yeah and i did the christopher eccleton the rose yeah. story but yes. later on uh they asked me to do three pictures three paintings yeah and they did yeah so um I can't remember if it was one of them or not, but I chose to do it again and be faithful to the TV show this time. Okay. And, um, and you know what? It's it's You know, I sell this prints. It's one of the best sellers, you know, yes. but I can't remember if it was from the FedEx. Let's get this clear. I can't remember if it's FedEx magazine or a private commission. Right. Yeah? yeah. But I have done it and it's like almost black and white and it's atmospheric yes. of the early sixties, you know?
1: Yes. And we'll make sure that everything we talk about and links to all these various domains and your website, yeah. they'll all be in the show notes. So people can, people listening can go and find your work and can go and order Great. from your shop as well. We'll talk a little bit about that. About that in a yeah. moment. So, do you have a
2: favourite then, Dan, with you?
1: Yeah. Well, 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 well. Funnily enough. Uh, we've mentioned a fair few of them but I think if I was to if I was to land on a couple well this one funnily enough would, would be coming up on the inside lane I've always loved the Claws of Access ah, funnily enough yeah. there Chris, you go Chris always adored that i didn't see the story for years years after i read it and i read this one over and over again the story and the the childlike sort of figure of the axon alien which is everything that you get in the story to be fair to the production t- uh, production team at the time but i think you stylize it just that little bit to to sell the story that bit more and, and to and it's just got a sense of a sense of scale, and of um, of something that's, yeah, almost filmized again, but certainly more drama, I think, with those beams coming out yeah. of the axon, uh, the axon ax child's eyes. That was
0: very risky, because I finished risky. the painting, I was looking at looking at it, and say, it needs something else, you know, I, I don't, I, I feel yeah. distinctly these things, I took yeah. a chance and did the rays coming out of his eyes, sideways like that, which obliterated the uh, uh,
1: a big part of the of the creature behind. You lose some image area yeah. behind, don't you? So I could, I could see that was probably a bit of a gamble. But I think if I've got a favourite one, if I have to land okay. on a favourite, it's probably this one. If you're talking about something that stands out on on the shelf, it's ah. the Carnival kind of love Monsters. <laughs> okay. There, I love that sort of look of disdain on the doctor's <laughs> face, as if to say, a, a sea monster. Yeah. A sea monster's got nothing on me yeah. on the carnival, carnival of Monsters. And I know that people love the Invasion of the Dinosaurs. That's a very iconic cover for you, isn't it? With the big clack letters and the yeah. pterodactyl. But I prefer this one. I, I love the open mouth there of the sea creature yeah. and, and the ship. The de- I think it's the detail that you were speaking of earlier on, Chris. I think all, all those leanings you know coming and the foam that's coming out of the mouth. Yeah, yes. You know,
0: Dan, I actually went and uh, I've got a couple of really good beautiful books on ships, the history of ships. And, uh, I actually looked up the story was in based in the 1930s, I believe. Yes. The, the, the ship was from the 1930s. So yeah. I actually went and looked up what, uh, cargo ships looked like in the 1930s and made sure that I got a cargo ship from the 1930s there.
2: And again, and again, it's far better it's, than the television program. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the way they do that in the TV show is, is yeah. very, very poor compared with with. Large-
1: and I think they got the they did yeah, and I think they got the house dress right there with the yellow trim with yeah. the green logo. But it, it's so strange that I've picked like out of my top three, two of them are Pertwee stories. When Pert the Pertwee era is my least favourite on the telly. Yeah. So, and so yeah, that tells yeah, you something. Something about these these covers. Tell- it really does I, th- I think that the the detail on john's face yeah there.
0: john wizard is one of the best drawings of him there yeah he looks haughty the other doesn't one we? i've just got
2: to mention because <laughs> this is a very very close second for me is pyramids of mars that is a stunning piece of artwork that again the rendering on the doctor and sarah and and the mummy are just and again it's just a really unusual color for the background. And I love the deep purple that they chose for the logo. And again, I remember just literally um, obsessing, sitting and obsessing over that cover. But it's an again, it's an unusual design. I mean, what came up with that design? You know, every time I
0: had to do a painting, a cover, I would take the previous covers I've done and put them next to me. (laughs) And I would look at those and I say, you know and it's scary time you know doing covers painting pictures like that to be approved by bar director and then a publisher and all this you know with deadlines it's scary business that's why a lot of people can't take the pressure it's like the writer staring at the blank page it's the same with an artist staring at the blank board you know and every time i did a doctor i have to come up with something different but The same you know if you know what i mean you know (laughs) so i will put the others next to it and and, uh, first of all take courage that i've done that so i've done those i can do it another way you know Uh, and Uh, secondly uh, not to repeat exactly the same design as i did before come up with something that's different
2: and it's funny because because you saying that you would lay them out next to each other to see what they've done well this is something again dan and i've talked about and a lot of doc 2 fans will say the same thing that when they used to get a new target book they would go home and they'd lay all of their target books out on the floor next to each other just to look at all of those glorious covers in one i hear this such a lot (laughs) <laughs> we all did it, just looking at them and, and, and as I say, obsessing over them. These were, it's, mm. It is difficult to, to express this. If you weren't there, it's difficult to express. But for people yeah. who were there at the time, and these were such a lifeline, for people yeah. like me, who was geeky and just sat in his room the whole time and didn't really have any mates. And so I, I, I obsessed over these. And, and it's so it's difficult to, to try to get across quite how important this artwork was.
0: I was uh, oblivion to all that.
2: Do you think (laughs) you would have done anything differently? You know, we're looking back 30, 40 years now. More than that. You had no (laughs) idea that they were going to be uh, obsessed about quite as much as they are. Would you have done anything differently, do you think?
0: No, I don't think so. don't think so. It's the way I worked at the time. I mean, I've just finished four new ones for the book, for the new book.
2: Whoa, now that's very exciting. Four new Chris Akileos artworks.
0: Yes, from four different stories that I haven't done before. Can you give and us any,
2: any insights as to what those are?
0: Or, or, no, or no,
2: no. No, no. <laughs> now this this is for this is for your new book, isn't it? It's called yeah. Clack,
1: the Doctor Who Art of of Chris Eccles, and it collects the the entirety, doesn't it, of your Doctor Who output, as we said earlier yeah. earlier on, in chronological order, and with commentary from yeah. your good self as well as some of your fans, doesn't it? The, the definitive guide to all of your yes. work. all the, the we're excited
2: would be an absolute understatement. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're <laughs> champing at the bit. We're waiting for this book to arrive. Oh, thank
0: oh, you. What can you tell us about the book? How did it come about? Can you tell us that? Well, I always wanted to do one because people kept asking me, you know, uh, why don't you do a book, you know, with all the Doctor Who's and all this. And uh, oh, not just a book, but merchandise you know, all sorts, t-shirts, you know, and all this. I I never did, you know, because uh, I don't know, I was too busy on other things. You know, I've I've never been a money conscious guy, you know. You know, I've been doing conventions a lot in here in America and Europe. I was in a convention and uh, the publisher was there, which is... uh, Thank you, thank you. He was there. We talked for a bit and I quite liked him. Sean was a very nice guy and uh, he put the idea to me of a book and we discussed it and uh, we came to a a reasonable deal about it and we're enthused about the context and what we can do and uh, the more we talked about it the more exciting we got and uh, so in the end we we sat down and uh, wrote out an agreement of some sort and, and that's the story you know that's how and well, the more it. you talk
2: about it, the more excited we get. Because seriously, the thought of four new paintings—well, pieces of artwork—from you is just, uh, well.
0: Yeah, I mean that's part of the. Uh, it was my idea. I said, um, if we're doing a book, then we have to show something that's exclusive but not been seen before.
2: Are, are they all still in your in your classic sort of style, and still done by hand? Is
0: there any? Yes, yes, work of course. No, they're done uh, exactly the same way. Uh, I try to find the, the right tools as well. I, I still use the airbrush uh, and the pen, you know, and all that. It, it's difficult to find the illustration board because they're all gone out of production because people use digital now. They don't use boards for real painting and drawing. Uh, they're very hard to find. So the best boards are gone. Luckily, I've still got a few left, but I chose to do, I said I like to do four new ones, but I wanted to do the first four doctors that I used to draw. Oh, how excited so, are we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I chose a story from um, from each of them that I haven't done before, and uh, did that.
1: We'll have to see if we can try and get. We're going to go and guess <laughs> later on, Chris. The pair the pair of us will be comparing <laughs> we're going notes, the list and, w- and when and this we're working out, is out which one it might yeah, be. Well, <laughs> we're not going to bet on it. You're okay, but uh, Clack is coming out in both paperback and hardback, yes, isn't it?
0: Um, we said we'd do a special edition hardback. We'll have extra things on that, and uh, I mean, we discuss all sorts of crazy ideas. You know how to make it special. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't want to talk about it too much in case no, I get no. some way they no, that we'll,
2: we'll, we'll keep it for another day. We'll keep it for for another day once once the book is out. and We can take a proper yeah. We we'll do that. We we'll do that.
1: But rest assured, there will be links to Candy Jar Books where you can pre-order this title. They'll be in the
0: show notes be, too. You you can, on, I mean, you touched on
1: merchandising before. Yeah, I was about to get around to that because a visit to your website. Wow, <laughs> you really have you found a way, haven't you, to these pieces of graphic art that we were mm. talking about earlier on, like all great pieces of graphic yeah. art, be they like al- album covers or or whatever else, all the all these things that sort of stand the test of time, and that nostalgia is always so strong for you have managed to give new life to so many yeah. of, your, of your artworks by doing these really creative things with them I mean it's not it's not uh, reinventing the wheel is it putting art on mugs but the art of this detail and this mm-hmm. beauty. Uh, and associated so clearly with one product translating it to another altogether and now we can drink out of your wonderful (laughs) design work so yes was this
0: your idea well what happened was that uh, a fan sent me a link to a site on a website that was selling mugs and t-shirts from my designs and uh, I was very angry at that I, I gave you know like the Kate Bush thing I sort of try to forget about it and then it happened again with someone else selling mugs and t-shirts so this time i i contacted my contacted the bbc books and told them about it and the right person came on the right guy and he he managed to take the site down i was told good But I told this to friends who are Doctor Who fans, and they said, Chris, if you don't do it, you should know. If you don't do it, someone else will. So people want this stuff up there. So if you don't want pirates doing it, do it yourself, you know. (laughs) Got a a point. And I said, well, I'd love to do it, but I don't know how to do digital art, and it has to be done digitally now, you know, the designing. Because I'm not just reproducing the painting on the mug. It just would look nonsense, like this Pyrrhus did, you know. I said, I want to do it properly. You've adapted the design. I need to design this? it around the object. And I can do it on paper, sure, I can. Draw the layout and everything. And then ask the printers to do it like the old-fashioned ways. But this is mugs, you know. Yeah. And I was rather stuck with that. And until the powers in the clouds up there send me a contact, <laughs> which I could work with. And uh, his name is Mark, and he's fantastic artist in his own right. But we work together so well at this, and he's able to to work from my designs and execute them in a digital way uh, on the mugs. So it, it's wonderful to work together with someone like that, who who is sensitive to my design sense and all that. First, I did one to see what it looked like. I did the Zabi. I managed to sort of alter it so it goes round the mug, but then I realised, yeah, that works well. But then, when I came to do another one, I realised there isn't really another one that I, from all the collection, that I could, I could uh, alter or in any way to go round the mug. I made the decision to use two images, two covers, if you like, on one mug. And it works well.
2: And, I mean, they are things of, of, of utter beauty. And Dan and I talked about these two or three weeks oh, ago when they first it, came on the market. Because yeah. it, it, suddenly it was, it was odd. They were nowhere. And then suddenly everybody suddenly started saying, have you seen the new Chris Achilles mugs? Well, we fell in love with them straight away. They're just beautiful. I mean, look at the Dalek invasion of Earth. And your favourites are there. The Chris of the Demons and the DJ Weapons. <laughs> Oh.
1: They're all available to order up on, up on Chris Achilles' yeah. website.
0: Well, I, I'm still doing yes. them. I mean, we did a few and then uh, put them on eBay, not on eBay, on Facebook. God, we got such a response, you know, oh, we want them, we want them, we want them. Yeah. So we put them on the website and straight away we're getting orders. So I said, yeah. oh, well, I better carry on doing some more then. So I just threw the images together without thinking what story goes with what and all this, you know. I, I didn't, so I will put a, a, a Tom Baker with a Pertwee, you know. I, I I just did them as I went along.
2: I think you will find that that, that basically every Doctor Who fan loves every one of your covers. Good.
1: They, they're going to make for striking additions to the average kitchen. If people are going to insist on drinking well, out of them and... Well, I you certainly know. will. I
2: haven't got round to getting one yet. I'm still on my mode, but Dan, but Dan knows that I just literally survive on tea and coffee, so I have to get <laughs> them. <laughs> I can only imagine where your where your designs will turn oh. up next. Chris. Well, T-shirt. we, we need on the need pants, maybe. We definitely need t-shirts more. T- yeah. T-shirts and underpants. Yeah. Well, yes, I've yes, done
0: so please. far. There's um, twelve or fourteen on the website. The last one to do was the most difficult one because it was on its own, it left on its own, because it's an odd one. And it's the uh, the Crusades. Okay. Uh, I know it's not a popular story. I don't know why it is, but it's not um, a favourite for a lot of people. I put it together with the Zabi. Oh, that works brilliantly. That works perfectly with the Zabi, I would say. Well, I'm using the Zabi design, which I did the first mug with, the prototype.
3: Mm-hmm. And I'm
0: putting it together with, with the Crusades and we see what happens. And that's well, again, the last one that will be up.
2: Well, again, I mean, they're beautiful. Well, the Zabi in particular is, is, is probably the best rendition of, of William Hartnell that anybody's ever done. I mean, it's just beautiful. That is. So those two together, I would say, are a perfect match for anybody else that is interested in this stuff. Um, also, you will find on Chris's website um, that you can buy prints for just about any of the... I think there's a couple of, of your covers that are that are not available as prints, but pretty much every one of your covers and various pieces of artwork are available as prints, and, and, and they're magnificent. I mean, I've got some of them on my wall now, so so go and have a look at Chris, Chris's website because you will want to get your credit card out.
0: It's, I uh, still it's, have some originals. Not from the old ones, because I sold them a long time ago for nothing. You know, and now they're worth a lot of money. But for the new ones I've been doing, for the SFX magazine and the, uh, and the four new ones I've just done, they'll all be available for sale. If everybody, anybody's interested, uh, just uh, contact me through my website.
1: We'll make sure people know exactly where to find you. And To see all your, all your wares, all this, it's a great mix, isn't it, Simon, of the sudden sort of nostalgia that we, we regularly bathe in on this show. <laughs> but the promise of new sights and new spectacles and all this new energy and, mm. and flavour in, in that unmistakable style of yours that, that really has captivated people's imaginations. Successive fans, they keep rediscovering a love of these books. You know, people still collect them, Chris even though we've got new ones coming out, we know people are actively seeking the old books on eBay and and sort of they get the collecting bug really quite quickly and make no mistake, a great deal of it is down to the appeal, the, the timeless appeal of your artwork and your designs. And, and I notice even the BBC themselves, because of course they're putting out new books all the time, they're doing their very best as well sometimes <laughs> to sort of capture your distinctive way with the show and, and and that sort of visual language of yours which you know i i don't know how flattering that is mm-hmm. for you or whether it's frustrating or not why can't why can't they give you
0: the commission i'm not entirely oh, sure but i get so <laughs> many people asking me the question what what why don't you do the covers anymore chris you know and i say well it's not up to me <laughs> to the bbc to uh, contact me the, and ask oh.
1: me know where to find you and we'll we'll make sure we get this well the thing is right i did three didn't i that i did three
0: yeah. they asked me to do three yes yeah and uh i don't know how many years ago now is it three or four years ago? i would say about so three, three, three yeah it seems to coincide with the
2: um with the exhibition of the target artwork that was at the uh the cartoon in in That's london i think they were around about that time before that Before that that was the visitation vengeance on baros and battlefield
0: yeah, I, I was I was delighted to hear from them that they wanted me to do, do new covers. And I imagine doing, you know, carrying on where I left off.
2: And they but absolutely me, are carrying on as, as you left off.
0: Well, I, in a way, but um, I was disappointed when they told me that it was the, the 80s Doctors. I, you know, I, I really didn't like the show in the 80s at all. I stopped watching it and uh, I just moved to other things. And I think the formula of having uh, the older doctor. So uh, now
1: you can with this new, but this new book of yours, you get to choose which stories. You get to choose your. Yeah, I,
0: choose did, your I did. I did four of I the old nice. ones, nice. and um, so I wasn't in sympathy with the three doctors. At the, so the covers I did for those three, I don't think they're of the quality that I used to do the the original ones, of. and
2: that was and that was because you didn't feel such a connection with the show.
0: No, I didn't feel connected with the show or, or the um, the whole thing, you know. But uh, I was committed, so I did them. But you know, if I was to be asked again, I I would do either the very new ones or the very old ones.
2: <laughs> so you do Jodie Wicked? Would you? Uh,
0: I don't know. <laughs> Well, bring us bring us up to up
1: to date. We're in 2020 now, and you know you, ta- you talked about your love of your love of cinema and of TV and of all that sort of thing. Do you know? Do you still love the movies yeah. now? And which movies catch your eye? Do you still watch science fiction now? And do you still watch Doctor Who? And would you would you paint the latest few Doctors?
3: How
0: do um, you feel about all that? I would love to do um, Capaldi. I think he made he made a very good Doctor and the two before him, uh, remind me their names, David, Tennant, yeah, and David Tennant and especially, and Matt Smith, cause they have very unusual faces and all this, you know, and, and there's all sorts of references now for them, uh, and the stories, uh, think, you know, um, Peter Cabaldi Cabaldi in
2: t- particular, I think you would do yeah. Peter Cabaldi very well because of that dot style in the same style that you, 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 you were talking about Patrick Troughton earlier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could do him justice. Um, very easily, you know, I could do that.
2: Do you still watch the show? Do you catch um, the
0: show? And- I tape them, but I haven't watched them. I watched two episodes or three episodes of the one with uh, the lady doctor. I'm afraid the BBC, is not her fault, it's not the actress' fault, it's not uh, anybody's fault. It's just that it, it just does not suit, you know, having a, a doctor
1: we're very much of that and, opinion
0: here it's more than more, that Chris. more than that dan i think it's just purely pc and political you know the formula is too pc they're always preaching you know about this or about that in the messages of the stories and even the the team you know the the, the companions you know and the doctor it's all politically chosen do you know what i mean Uh, I I just hate what it's become. How do you feel about the big
1: screen, then? Do you still go to the cinema? Do you still love all that? Or do do you always tend to gravitate back towards the old movies and the classics like Spartacus and whatever else?
0: Um, I don't know what to say. I mean, I love the movies. I love film. And I go and see great movies, you know, when they're there. I love going to the cinema. Yeah. But recently, you know, I can't remember the last film I've seen. You know, my love is doing... historical epics you know and until yeah. until um, game of thrones was done for tv it showed what can be done with historical fantasy
1: there's been a dearth of that at the cinema hasn't there since lord of the rings i think it is time I think Lord of the Rings and Gladiator, all those films, you know, twenty years ago. Oh yes, I mean, I haven't really gone back there. I, I think
0: yeah, you're right. I mean, Gladiator—it was a great movie. I went to see it at the other pictures because Ridley Scott and uh, who did Alien and those fabulous movies, uh, and he's a great director. I liked it, but it's also I didn't like aspects of it. It was—it wasn't historical. It was uh, comic strip, if you like, you know. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic it? and and and. and all that, but I was so happy that someone is uh, tackling doing a historical epic, if you like, because Mm -hmm. nobody would touch it for so long, you know, because it costs so much and they lose, you know, the gambles. Yeah, you know, and a lot of the rings when that came out and and even Star Wars, you know, when that came out, I think it was 77. uh, We, I say we, the artists prepared the way to Star Wars being made and the success of it and other fantasy movies Absolutely. that came after that. Because we were doing it on the covers of paper bags and on album sleeves and on posters and things. People, were young people especially, were starving for fantasy and when it was taken there's off- There's a
1: definite line isn't there? there's a definite line through from the late 60s through to the late mm. 70s where all of that stuff was coming through 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 prog rock on album covers as yeah. you said through through fantasy artwork there is a definite line you can track
0: leading up yes. to
1: star wars isn't that and yes
0: it, and it wasn't it was only done on like on 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 by artists on on paper you know on, on yeah. covers and that because the attempts were made to put it on the big screen they didn't have CGI, so it didn't work. It just looked comical, you know. Um, and,
2: I, and I've got to ask you about this, because because it, you mentioned Ridley Scott. He's one of my favourite film directors, and Blade Runner is my all-time favourite film. And I read yeah. something, I don't know whether this is correct, that you've done at some point, um, you possibly almost been involved in doing a poster for Blade Runner at some point?
0: I, I was in the 80s. I, I stopped doing book covers, mainly because... Um, Oh this is so weird to explain to someone to make them understand as soon as the film industry started doing films the publishing thing died a death uh, i don't know why what they were doing through the 60s and 70s they were rehashing old books old fantasy stories that had been written in the 30s and 40s and and, and all that time and rejacketed them with temporary fantasy art that i was doing and other artists were doing and selling them on the strength of the covers basically because they were big success they were bringing out all this other stuff that was really bad pulp fiction if any and putting fantasy art on them selling them on the strength of the covers and so people stopped buying them if you like as soon as films started coming out like star wars they abandoned the fantasy thing mainly because publishers abandoned it first and then went to the to the screen instead and when he came to that is sad. and when he came to um, to Ridley Scott and, and Blade Runner I was uh, approached by Warner Brothers direct by Warner Brothers not an agency or anything but by Warner Brothers to work on some concepts for a poster or some films like Greystoke was the first one there they gave me Supergirl and then, well, a few others I won't go into. I can't remember them. And I was doing all oh, Batman, the first Batman movie. And then uh, they said, there's this movie by Ridley Scott who did, who did Alien, and it's called Blade Runner. And we'd like you to do the poster, Chris, and get this. They asked me to go down to, to Wardle Street, to Warner Brothers' offices, where they have a private theater downstairs, to, to watch Blade Runner. And I watched Blade Runner by myself, and I was like, can you imagine the the overload of of visual, you know, the whole thing, and the lights come on, and I walk upstairs, and there's Ridley Scott upstairs, in the office, with his wife, and the head of Warner Brothers, Julian Senior, and they say to me, what did you think? (laughs) I said, oh my god, (laughs) I said, I don't know if it's right or wrong, what I said, but I said, this is an amazing movie, but I have to see it again. And I said, it's just too good. He said, if you're looking for another success of Star Wars, which is everybody was looking for, it's not that. I said, this would be more of a cult movie. And I was proven to be dead right on that.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: And I said, it's a cult yeah, movie, but I said, I want to ask you, how do you want to sell it on the poster? What do you want me to do? And they sort of laughed and uh, I don't know who said it, but they said, we want you to come up with, an, uh, w- with with your own concept, Chris. And I thought for a minute, I said, well, it's a sort of sci-fi movie. Do you want it to look like sci-fi? And they said, no, no, not at all. We don't want it to look like sci-fi. And I said, well, okay, How do you, it's a bit film noir. I have a film noir kind of approach. And he said, no, no film noir either. Come up with something different. <laughs> so I was left with that. And the thing they, they told me later was that there was already a poster done because it was, it was released in America. But it bombed. Can you believe yes. this? Blade on a bomb? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: know, it's incredible to think about, isn't it? But it
0: did. Yeah. And they blamed it on the poster the poor that poor was done because it was science fiction. There was a movement there Anti-science fiction movies. This is what Ridley Scott, and the head of Warner Brothers, told me. So they didn't want it to look like science fiction. So uh, they wanted a new poster for the European theatre. So I went and did my thing, and uh, did two full-colour wraps and uh, four other black and whites, and and showed it to Unveiled them to Julian Senior, the head of. Warner Brothers, UK, European. There was this lady there I've never seen before. Julian said, this is uh, so-and-so from the Ladd distributor. They are the distributors of the movie. The Ladd Company. Have you heard of the Ladd Company?
1: Yeah, Yeah, they made the Place of the Apes didn't they? Yeah.
0: I think she was the daughter of Alan Ladd. Alan Ladd, yeah. And uh, so I unveiled my pictures. And Julian absolutely loved... The one that I loved, that I wanted to do, and he went straight for that. And I was, so, I said, that's fabulous because that's the one I prefer also. And and she was silent. And he says to her, "What do you think?" And she said, "Well, it's all right, but where are all the other actors?" I said, "What? What other actors?" And she said, "Well, where's, you know, the, the the guy with the dove? What's his name? The actor? I can't oh, pronounce his... it." Yeah. Where is he? And she said, well, we have to have him in the poster because they're the stars and they have we have contractual obligation to do so. And I went, what? Why wasn't I told this? Absolutely. I said, well, we can put the photos, you know, fit them underneath. She said, no, no, that won't do. And Julian hit the roof. He started swearing. Use, use the old poster <laughs> that you rejected in the first place. And that was that i got oh. paid for the work I did, but I didn't do the poster for Blade Runner. Oh. And if you go on my website, you see it there. People loved it. I sold the original painting and I sell prints like all the time of that. I haven't
2: seen that. I can't believe I haven't found that on your website. I will go and look for it now. Get over there. We'll, we'll all be over on the uh,
1: yeah. on the website later on looking at that for certain. Cause the I web- yeah, website. Website,
0: the, the, there the film fun. section <laughs> is interesting. It's not all there we can't
1: thank you enough for sharing these these stories and yeah. uh, these chapters of your life with us this time it, it it's really it's sincerely been a dream come true for Simon and myself that's that's no exaggeration exaggeration (laughs) whatsoever
2: I I, Chris is absolutely one of my heroes I know he is one of yours Dan Um, both as a Doctor Who fan and also as 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 somebody who loves graphic art and has has dabbled and and worked in graphic art myself so you are absolutely a hero and so to have sat here and just talked to the end (laughs) honestly It's been an absolute pleasure and I hope you've enjoyed it just half as much as we've enjoyed it because it's well, been fantastic.
0: It's always nice to go back on old memories, you know, I'm getting on now. So when I talk about those days, you know, I I, I can't help thinking of, of that young man with a head full of hair and uh, <laughs> it's full of enthusiasm and working from cover to cover, you know, working so hard. I mean, I don't know how I did it. Because I had to read the book so they come up with an idea and execute it and deliver it in time. And that's, oh my God, you know, I hate to be doing that now. It's it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, very proud of, of, of that young man.
1: Now we're going to remind people where your website is, where they can find the book, where they can buy mugs Thank or you. prints or whatever else that tickles their fancy off the back of this conversation. Because it's an exclusive range of merchandise, merchandise official range of merchandise of this classic Doctor Who artwork www.chrisakuleos.co.uk and there'll be links in the show notes and tweeted out and all the rest of it once again Chris it's been an absolute pleasure
0: thank you Dan and Simon it's been really good like I said I enjoyed myself and I look forward to speaking again we'll speak to you again once that book's that out that be
1: fantastic yeah, yeah. What a guy! What a show! Still can't
2: quite believe that was us. We got to talk to Secondarius. <laughs> it, it, it's it's absolutely a dream come true. You know, for me personally, I'm. I, it's safe to say I'm obsessed by Target books. Um, they were an enormous part of my childhood, and so literally just to sit down with. A legend like Chris, and just talk about the minutiae of some of these covers. You know why he made some of the decisions he made to put some of these things on there. It's just really, I, I obsessed over these as a kid. So just sit and talk about some of these little tiny details. It just doesn't get any more exciting and geeky than that for me. I think my life's complete. That's definitely a bucket list done for me.
1: This is the equivalent, isn't it? uh, If we go back to our schoolboy analogy, this is the equivalent of at the end of sports day or at the end of a a really rigorous sort of PE session, this is being sparked out, doing the star-shaped on a grassy embankment, covered in sweat totally spent but completely sort of satisfied that you got it out of your system i could go back in fact i probably will go straight back to the loft get that box out and dive right in again because there are so many covers that that you mentioned and that chris mentioned that you know i haven't gazed at in a while i want to go and look back on all those little tiny details and of course order this brand new book it sounds it sounds not long awaited isn't isn't quite the right expression it sounds long overdue doesn't it
2: it does sound very very long overdue and and, and chris is definitely coming in now doing the mugs he's, he's getting more prints out there he's, he's thinking about t-shirts so i think he's finally realizing his legacy that, that needs to be got out to people people are interested in this um, and they want to see this stuff. And uh, certainly, it just makes me want to go and buy more prints, more mugs. <laughs> I just I just love it. And, and what a lovely bloke as well. He was just such a charming, charming, lovely guy. Very self-effacing, very humble uh, about the legacy that he's got behind him. Just couldn't be a nicer nicer bloke to meet. And
1: when everything does return to normal and conventions, hopefully the convention circuit is back to normal. People will get the chance to go and miss and meet Chris akaleos and buy some of his brand new merchandise from him at various cons or maybe take along things to sign or whatever because he is, he's ubiquitous, he he still travels quite a lot doesn't he, so there's still plenty of opportunities to meet this man in person and to tell him how much you appreciate all his work too just like we did. Yes, how on earth do we follow that? you can find out if you listen and look out for the next type 40 you can find that wherever you found this on apple podcasts for example we're all over that or iheartradio stitcher google play podbean or spotify and don't forget over on youtube you can stream type 40 on the fandom podcast networks youtube channel yes as ever get in touch with us through our social medias instagram and twitter at type 40 doctor who we can email us type 40 doctor who at gmail.com or if you're feeling really really brave and fancy some real time who talk step into the type 40 facebook group you can find that by just putting our name type 40 into the search field on facebook and find me i'm scattered through all of space and time but mostly on twitter and instagram as the Spacebook, where i ramble and post about whatever catches my eye imagination or both in popular culture simon
2: it's been an absolute pleasure dan i wouldn't have missed
1: this one for the world and there's links to all our contacts in the show notes too. Much gratitude and many thanks again to our guest, Chris Akeleos, and thanks to you for listening. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast is a space book production for the fabulous Fandom Podcast Network, and we'll always have the time if you have the space.